Welcome, listeners. I'm Alastair Murden. Grab a plate and load up on turkey and gravy, because this is our Thanksgiving special brought to you by Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. Even if you're full, don't throw away the remains. We'll be digging through the turkey carcass to retrieve the wishbone, a leftover with the power to change everything in a snap. You can find all Spotify originals from Parcast for free exclusively on Spotify. Coming up, a family's bonds are tested by their first Thanksgiving together. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by The Weather Channel. The key to solving any mystery? Smart decisions based on the facts. In the case of the weather's effect on your well-being, turn to the Weather Channel app. It clues you in on how weather shapes your mood, health, and productivity with insights built on reliable forecast data to help you thrive. Because mystery belongs in true crime, not weather. Be a force of nature with the Weather Channel app. Is there a ritual more beloved in America than Thanksgiving? This secular holiday brings family and friends together for a night of good food, fond memories, and shared gratitude for the year's bounty. Plus, there's pie. And yet, there's a dark side to it. I'm not talking about paralyzing food comas or wine-fueled hangovers. I mean the sense of competition that pervades the whole affair. From bickering over who made the best mac and cheese, to the turkey trot races people run before dinner, to football on TV, to unhinged Black Friday shopping, there's a competitive streak running through the whole holiday. Especially when it comes to wishbones. Wishbone is a whimsical moniker for a bone called a furcula, the V-shaped poultry equivalent of a clavicle. Tradition holds that each Thanksgiving, two competitors grab opposite ends of the bone. They pull until the bone splits in half and turns fortune's tide in their favor. There are many variations on what happens next. Some say the winner of the longer half's wishes will come true. Others say the winner of the shorter half will get married first or that the loser will die. One thing's for sure, the wishbone is all about changing your luck. And if you get the short end, watch out. Bad luck might follow you forever. In the case of the Butters family, the bad luck began one November when the air was crisp and cold. Tara and Charlie Butters were 15 and 12 and newly orphaned. They'd been sent to their grandpa's Pennsylvania farm after their parents were crushed by a meat truck. Old Butters' farm was small and humble, 
and Grandpa sold turkeys to local stores. It felt so far removed from the kids' old hustle and bustle life in Philadelphia, and the situation was especially hard on young Charlie. The boy hadn't smiled in weeks. Tara was devastated too, but she knew she had to be strong for her brother. Every day she reminded him, no matter how bad things got, she had his back. Like on their first farm Thanksgiving, when spry, demanding Grandpa Butters forced them to take a photo with a turkey named Tommy. A turkey that smelled foul. Charlie coughed, so Tara complained about the scent near the pen, but Grandpa only laughed. <laughs> That's just the happy juice I pump through the barn vents. Makes the turkeys all plump and docile, just the way I like them. Charlie said he liked the smell, which Tara found surprising and annoying. The shy boy was usually so eager to agree with his older, bolder sister. Meanwhile, Grandpa was elated. He slapped Charlie's back and said, Good! You two better get used to it if you want to run Butter's farm someday. Now, say gobble! Tara would have rather died than run the farm. The smell was not healthy, and she wanted a life of excitement. But Charlie was so intrigued by Grandpa's words, he seemed more comfortable on the farm, especially for a kid who barely went outdoors in their city life. He even asked to play with the turkey. Tara was shocked. Grandpa laughed. <laughs> no, kiddo, but you'll see Tommy again at supper time. He picked up the bird, hefting it in his arms like he was weighing it. Tara felt her stomach twist in sudden anxiety as Grandpa grabbed Tommy's neck and broke it. She grew even more nauseous at dinner, the three of them in the old farmhouse kitchen. Grandpa shoved turkey and stuffing into his mouth with gusto, chewing loudly. Tara barely touched her potatoes, and she certainly wasn't going to eat turkey. She was a vegetarian, starting now. Across the table, Charlie chowed down. The sight should have made Tara happy since the frail boy had barely eaten since their parents' funeral. But it just bugged her. Grandpa kept piling meat on her brother's plate like he was fattening him up. Tara scowled at Charlie and asked how he could eat. The boy looked worried, and Grandpa glowered. It's a sin to waste food, Tara. Tommy was a blessed bird, and he died for us. I sacrificed him with my bare hands, like the ancients did. Tara spat. It's 2001, not year one. But hey, keep chewing Tommy like a freak. Grandpa grabbed Tara's plate. He tossed it into the sink so hard it shattered. Charlie grabbed Tara's hand and choked back a scared sob. Tara held his hand tight. Grandpa turned back from the sink and her own fear simmered. As he strode back to the table, Tara was convinced he was going to smack Charlie. But instead, Grandpa put his arms around the boy and told him it was okay. But to Tara, he turned with a scowl. 
Look what you did. Your brother is crying. Are you happy now? Grandpa pulled Charlie's hand from Tara's, held it, and said he had just the thing to cheer him up. He went to a chest of drawers, opened one, and retrieved a V-shaped bone. His eyes gleamed. It's time to break the wishbone. With reverence, he placed the bone in Charlie's hand. Charlie gulped and asked if it was from Tommy. Grandpa laughed. <laughs> nah, this one's older. It's got to be properly dried first, and Tommy's bones are still... moist. Tara gagged, while Charlie asked what the bone was for. Grandpa frowned. Haven't they done this before? Tara piped in. Mom and Dad didn't do Thanksgiving. Because it was Dad's least favorite holiday growing up here. Grandpa grunted and explained, whoever got the big half was blessed with good luck, and whoever got the smaller half got bad luck. An intrigued Charlie held out the bone to Tara, but she shook her head. Neither of them needed more bad luck. Charlie, however, was more thoughtful about it. But if I win, I'll just share my luck with you. Tara softened. She didn't want to do this dumb ritual. But she did want Charlie to be happy. So she decided she'd play and let him win. Tara grabbed the other end of the bone. Grandpa counted. One, two, three. Charlie gritted his teeth and pulled. It was so cute. Tara just pretended to strain until she realized how hard Charlie gripped his end. He was stronger than she thought, enough to make her nervous, especially with Grandpa muttering, Come on, Charlie, show her who's boss. So Tara began to actually pull. But before she could put up a fair fight, the wishbone snapped. Charlie held the bigger half. He stared at it with wonder. Grandpa rushed over to ruffle Charlie's hair, and for the first time since their parents were killed, Charlie smiled. His grin looked like Grandpa's. Tara didn't like it. Grandpa winked at Tara. Guess you get the bad luck. Tara tossed her small bone aside. So what? It's not like things could get worse, she said, scowling. But when she slumped into her chair, a leg broke off, and Tara tumbled to the floor. The next few years flew by. Things did get better for the Butters, at least for Charlie. Grandpa sent the kids to the prestigious Franklin Academy in Philadelphia. Charlie blossomed into a prom king and valedictorian. Tara was expelled for cheating on her finals, allegedly. Charlie got into Wharton, where he earned an MBA and fell for Melissa, heiress to the Cooper Chicken fortune. Tara only got into Drexel, where she got caught with coke and starred in a sex tape with a senator's daughter. Charlie went to help Grandpa expand Butter's Farm, landing a contract to supply every school in Philly with lunch meat. Tara went to rehab. Twice. 
By 25, Tara had burned through her parents' inheritance but used the last of it to pay for a marketing class. She needed a job, and she had just the family to ask. It was Thanksgiving again, ten years later. Grandpa stood in the kitchen, carving the turkey with care. His eyes were focused on a picture on the wall, Tara and Charlie posing with Tommy the turkey when they had first arrived at the house. He smiled at the memory of what was, to him, a great day. In his room, Charlie dutifully donned a grey cashmere cardigan, one Grandpa got him as a gift. It was the same sweater Grandpa had on that night. He texted a picture to his girlfriend Melissa to make sure he looked okay, but her only response was that his hair was thinning. This was the scene inside the house at which Tara arrived. She stood outside and lit a cigarette to calm her nerves. She coughed, not from the smoke, but from the scent of Grandpa's happy juice wafting from the massive metal barn that stood where the turkey pen used to be. She sneered at the guard, Johnny or something, who stood watch. Then she turned to her phone and another addiction, Twitter. She scrolled to the Raw Collective, an animal rights group that hated Butters Farms. Usually, she retweeted them, her little way of sticking it to Grandpa. But tonight, Tara wasn't on Twitter for cheap thrills. She needed ammunition. Dinner was the usual. Wine, turkey, silence. Tara felt Grandpa's eyes on her the whole time, suspicious. She was acting different, abstaining from wine, serving food, even nibbling on wretched turkey. She wanted to come off as a model granddaughter before she twisted the knife. When plates were cleared, Tara adjusted her new blazer and faced her family. Their matching sweaters, Charlie's lanky adult frame and Grandpa's hair plugs made them look totally alien from the men in her memory. They were so slick and intimidating, Tara felt like it was an actual job interview, which it sort of was. So, Tara began. I want a job at Butters Farms. At corporate HQ, I mean, not like herding turkeys. There was a long silence. Tara looked to Grandpa for an answer, but Charlie spoke up instead. Baffled, he asked why. Tara admitted, Honestly, I need something to go right, and I'm tired of asking for loans. I haven't loved this place in the past, but I still know more about turkeys than anything else. Look, I'd work hard, and... I have ideas. Tara whipped out her phone, put it on the table between Grandpa and Charlie, and showed them the Raw Collective's Twitter. Charlie scrolled through it, curious. Tara felt her energy build. It's 2011, and Butters Farms has no social media. Meanwhile, the Raw Collective is online calling you the bloody Butters Butchers. You need serious image rehab, and hey, I know about rehab. I think I could do a lot of good as your new head of PR. Charlie looked at Grandpa, worried. Tara didn't see it, as she was too busy pacing. We get on socials, design a cute mascot, and, oh, 
pardon birds, like the president. We get rid of that hell barn and go free range like a heavenly turkey spa. We say, yes, our turkeys die, but before that, they live. Grandpa held Tara's phone up with a grim look. Your dealer just texted. Tara felt like she'd been punched in the gut. She grabbed her phone and explained that the guy listed as Snowman hadn't contacted her in months. She hadn't hit him up either. This was just a fluke, bad timing. Grandpa shook his head and Tara looked to Charlie for support. But Charlie couldn't even meet her gaze. Tara, I want to believe you, but with the drugs and the sex tape and everything, I'm sorry, but you're too much of a liability for us. Tara hardened. For the millionth time, not my drugs, not my camera, not my fault. And I'm asking Grandpa, so go back to the kids' table. This isn't your call. Charlie stood taller, looking her right in the eyes. Actually, it is. Hiring goes through me, because today, Grandpa made me his VP. And I say, no. Tara shook her head. Wow, Charlie. What happened to sharing the luck? He retorted. It's not luck. It's hard work, which you're clueless about. And what happened to you having my back? Tara, are you even happy for me? Tara couldn't tell if Charlie was scolding her or if he was genuinely sad. She didn't know how to read him anymore. But either way, she wasn't happy. That's when she heard Grandpa say, You could fight Charlie for the job? She turned to see him holding a wishbone. A label affixed to it read, Tommy. Tara's mind flooded with images of death. Her parents and Tommy the turkey, the neck snapping. She looked back at Charlie, who stared at the bone in disbelief. Tara saw the frail kid he once was. Part of her wanted to hug him and tell him she wouldn't do it. But another part, the screw-up who couldn't catch a break, craved what he had. So she reached out for the bone. Grandpa pulled it away and laughed. Charlie sighed with relief, even smiled a bit. Tara grew sick. This was all just some game to them. She ripped the wishbone from Grandpa's hand, held it for a long second, then threw it. She'd been aiming for Grandpa, but instead, it hit a picture on the wall. It was the picture of Tara and Charlie all those years ago, but Tara didn't even notice. She simply walked out of the room, swearing never to come home. Charlie would have wanted to follow, but Grandpa held him back. Tara would always abandon him, Grandpa said. To her, family meant nothing. Charlie sat, dug his fork into a slice of pumpkin pie, and sighed. Grandpa wasn't easy to live or work with, but maybe he was right about Tara. 
because in the years that followed, Tara didn't return to the Butters farm, nor did she reach out to Charlie. She was good at grudges and held them for a long time. But as for the promise never to return, she didn't do a particularly good job at that. Because one dark November night, terror snapped. Coming up, Thanksgiving turns into an unforgettable family reunion. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. In films like Pirates of the Caribbean, they're portrayed as swaggering anti-heroes. In books like Treasure Island, they're fearsome villains. But who were they really? That's the question that Real Pirates, the new Spotify original from Parcast, answers. The whole thing about a pirate ship is that they were heavily manned. But you could have 100 pirates on board, so these are floating violence factories. At the same time, pirates were really fascinating characters, in a way. If you were born poor, you stayed poor. Pirates, on the other hand, they were able to transcend that social boundary. They didn't see themselves just as thieves and brigands. They saw themselves as social revolutionaries. Set sail under the black flag alongside notorious outlaws like Blackbeard, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, and Mary Reed. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting November 15th. Follow and listen to Real Pirates for free on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. Make things right with Charlie. That thought propelled Tara from the roach-infested Philadelphia loft she was about to be evicted from onto a bus and all the way to the Butters family farm in rural Pennsylvania. She'd only seen Charlie a few times in the past decade. The last was at his engagement party, where she got too drunk and got disinvited from the wedding. Nothing had been the same since they fought at Thanksgiving, when he was given a top job at Grandpa's Turkey Empire and she was passed over. Their rift became her obsession. When she was fired from her bartending job, she thought of Charlie, who had a glowing profile in Forbes. When her girlfriend left her, she thought of Charlie and his sun-kissed Bermuda wedding to Melissa. Things had to change. Tara had to make things right. She repeated it as the six massive Butters Farms barns rose into view. She chanted it when she passed a billboard featuring Grandpa and Charlie arm in arm with a giant bird in a shirt that said, Tommy the Turkey, a mascot, like she'd suggested years ago. Then, Tara's mantra was replaced by another. Look at that house. Thanks to the IPO, Butters Farm was now Pennsylvania's own Versailles. Extra wings on the house, caterers unloading by a fountain, and a limestone driveway lined with Range Rovers. Johnny, the security guard, now in a tailored suit and earpiece, 
barked orders at other guards before he approached Terra. He sized her up, then told her she'd picked a big night to come home. Terra nodded. Oh, I know it'll be big. They both cocked their heads, suspicious. For a brief moment, Terra worried Johnny was going to frisk her for weapons, but he just pointed her to the manor doors. The foyer was so ostentatious it looked like a luxury hotel lobby. Garish paintings of Grandpa, Charlie, and his wife Melissa hung on the walls. It looked like the Butters had been wealthy since the Pilgrims landed instead of since 2016. Tara snapped a picture on her phone. She'd need it later. She smiled to herself, then jumped when Johnny nudged her. Here he comes. A tall figure made his way down a hall. He was backlit by a sunset that shone through bay windows, but Tara recognized Grandpa's halting gait and ramrod posture. Then the figure got closer, and Tara realized it was Charlie. He was unrecognizable. His dress shirt was stiff, his skin was bronzer tan, and his head was shaved. He looked very rich, but very wrong. Charlie winced as if in pain. His crow's feet made him look far older than 32. Why are you here? Tara said, to make things right. Families come together at Thanksgiving. Charlie shrugged, unimpressed. Some just fall apart. Under his disdain, Tara thought she saw fear in his eyes. Tara supposed her purple hair and blood-red Doc Martens were scary, especially in this place. But then she had a flash of memory. Charlie at 12, terrified by Tommy the turkey, the small boy he once was. She laughed, trying for warmth. <laughs> nice buzz cut, Mr. VP. Very Bezos. Charlie's ears flushed red in shame, but when he spoke, his voice hardened. Well, when Jeff sends his hair guy to you in a helicopter, you can't say no. Tara nodded wistfully. Lucky you. Charlie, look, no matter how tonight goes, I did miss you. Charlie's breath caught in his throat. He narrowed his eyes and countered. Hope you miss Grandpa, too. The kitchen looked just like it did in the old days, apart from the waiters and catered feast. Grandpa sat slumped in a wheelchair at his usual spot, a skeleton in a Brooks Brothers suit. His hazy gray right eye drooped, and his left was half closed. Tara mumbled a hello, but he didn't respond. She hoped he was catatonic. He couldn't get in the way of her mission. Make things right with Charlie. Tara sat. A waiter with piercings and platinum hair leaned over her. He offered her a tray of turkey, but Tara noticed he was gagging. She told him she was a vegetarian. He sauntered off, but gave her a curious glance. Tara wasn't sure if it was because of the vegetarianism or because Charlie was on the phone saying something about employees unionizing or that he'd seen her phone. 
hidden under a napkin with the butter's logo on it, recording every bit of the night she could. Tara needed ammunition. She felt a little bad. Bad enough that Grandpa's untouched glass of wine looked just like the thing to settle her nerves. She waved her hands in front of his hazy gray eyes, then took his glass. Just as she was about to take a deep gulp, Grandpa erupted. What are you doing here, Tara? Tara dropped her glass, and Charlie hung up his phone in alarm. Grandpa went on. You want a handout? A hot shower? A loaf of bread? Tara sighed. It was time. She looked up at Charlie and said she wanted to make things right. Charlie walked to the table, confused. Tara, you said that earlier, but I still don't know what it means. Is this some 12-step apology thing? Tara shook her head. No, I'm not here to apologize. I'm here to make things right, to balance the scales in my favor. I need you to get a wishbone. Charlie sat, then asked if she was high. Tara shook her head. I'm not high, Charlie. I'm just cursed. Charlie's eyes widened. Tara expected that. I know it sounds nuts, but I've tried to be better, Charlie, and things just fall apart. And when they crumble so many times, you just don't have the energy to put yourself back together, you know? Well, you probably don't know. Tara stood and approached Charlie. I realize that nothing, not drugs or prayer or sex or rehab, nothing will fix me. Then I remembered our first Thanksgiving here where it all went wrong. And I thought of that wishbone. You won. And I've kept losing ever since. You have so much, Charlie. You have enough. Now I need to win so things can finally go right for me. Charlie took a ragged breath. Then he shook his head at Tara. No. Tara insisted. Wishbone, Charlie. Then she raised her phone up. Or I send my pictures and recordings of tonight, like you threatening to fire the union, to the War Collective. Tara watched Charlie swallow and looked to Grandpa, who stared at him intently. Her brother pressed on. No, Tara, it, it's not real. This is just a delusion or an excuse. <laughs> if the wishbone worked, I wouldn't have all this bad luck. Tara sneered. What do you know about bad luck. Charlie shot out of his seat and slammed the table. I have cancer, Tara. From the happy juice, which you were right about. 
Now I'm rotting on the inside. Why else would I be bald and have this awful spray tan? Tara's head spun, but Charlie was just getting fired up. Cancer's not even the worst part. Neither is Melissa cheating on me or living in this prison or changing Grandpa's diapers because he flings his mess at the nurse if she tries. The worst part of my awful life is that my sister abandoned me when something good happened. You said you had my back, Tara, but you never did. You had your own back and expected me to fall in line behind it. Just like Grandpa. Tara didn't know what to say. Neither did the waiter or Johnny the guard who raced into the room. But Grandpa always knew what to say. Quit your whining, Charlie, and beat your sister, or she'll bury this company. Charlie sat down and scoffed. (sighs) Then bury it with me. I've only got a few months left and I'm done caring. The only way to win your games is to not play. Grandpa spat and called him a coward. Then he wheeled over to Tara. Grandpa's lazy eye joined his good one to stare at her. I'll play you, Tara. I never took you for a blackmailer. But what you tried to pull was slick, Missy. With Charlie back at the kids' table, I need a mind like yours at Butters Farms. Besides, you respect the wishbone, just like me. So grab one, peep me at the pull, and I'll make you a very lucky lady. Tara knew she should say no. Her brother was right about Grandpa's games. The man got off on misery and discord. Charlie, sad little Charlie, who wanted to make everyone happy, wasn't her enemy. Grandpa was. But part of Tara still believed in the wishbone's curse, and she really wanted to beat Grandpa just to see the old codger suffer. So Tara said yes. She slid open Grandpa's drawer. It was full of wishbones, all tagged with names, all the years she'd missed. Tara dug in and pulled out one labeled Tommy. She walked to Grandpa, tossing the bone in her hand. It felt old and hard, like stone. She pulled up a chair to face him and he took one end of the bone. He stared at her with such ferocity, Tara felt like she was 15 again, which was Grandpa's mistake. When Tara was 15, before her parents died, before Grandpa, before her mistakes, she felt strong with a purpose. Keep Charlie safe. She glanced back at Charlie. If I win... I promise I'll share the luck. Then she turned to Grandpa and pulled. Tara put all her strength into the wishbone. So did Grandpa. She stared into his eyes and tried to block out the words he spat. Come on, Tara. 
Show me who's boss. Tara needed more leverage. She stood out of her chair. Grandpa did too. Tara gasped. Grandpa towered over her. She gripped the wishbone harder, so much so that his edge cut her palm and drew blood. I will be you. She pulled until she heard the sharp snap of breaking bone. She was about to see which half she held when Grandpa fell back, hitting the table, his wheelchair, and the floor. He rolled over. Blood trickled off his neck. His clavicle jutted from his flesh, poking through his shirt. He roared in agony. But nobody in the room rushed to his side. Not even his guard, Johnny. Tara stood there, shocked trying to figure out if the sight made her happy or sad. That's when she heard the stampede and the gobbling. Tara dropped her bone in shock as the door burst open. Before her eyes, hundreds of turkeys stormed Butter's Manor. They destroyed everything in sight like they were taking revenge. Charlie dove to the ground. Tara looked to Johnny and the waiter for help, but they only ripped off their jackets, revealing shirts that read, The Raw Collective. The waiter whipped out a camera phone, cackling at the chaos. Then he turned it onto Johnny, whose stern facade shattered with righteous fury. We're streaming live for The Roar Collective. I'm Johnny Nakamura, a new convert to the collective way. We set all the turkeys free, and I'll give you a tour of the horror show they call Barnes. But first, an exclusive with the Bloody Butters Butcher. Johnny bore down on Charlie and demanded, Charlie, what do you have to say about your company's terrible legacy? Don't you think you deserve your cancer? Tara decked Johnny, and he crashed headfirst into the turkey on the table. She bellowed, Stay away from my brother! Charlie looked up at Tara and smiled, grateful. She pulled him up, hugged him, and swore she didn't plan this. He nodded, and Tara knew he believed her. Charlie herded the rest of the turkeys out of the kitchen while Tara turned back to take in the aftermath. She shuffled forward and stepped on something. She looked down. The two halves of Tommy's wishbone were on the ground, a large one and a short one. There was no way to tell which was hers. Tara laughed, then kicked them across the floor at Grandpa's whimpering form. Tara walked to Johnny, still sprawled on the table. He looked nervous, especially when she pulled him to his feet. She nodded. Okay, bud. You want to come after my brother? You're going to have to go through me. His new head of PR. She made sure Johnny was filming then told him how she was going to change the company with her outsider perspective. She went on, using her old pitch about organic feed and pardoned birds and turkey spa days. Tara didn't know if it would work, but she'd spent decades making excuses for her terrible choices. So she had the right experience to tackle 
the family business. And from now on, she'd make her own luck. The Wishbone Break is a seemingly innocent game, but it's actually rooted in ancient Etruscan magic. Ruling over present-day Italy from roughly the 7th to the 3rd centuries BCE, the Etruscans had special magic rituals for birds called electriomancy. Etruscans would draw letters on the ground, scatter chicken feed across them, and see which letters the chickens pecked at. Then they'd use that information to solve problems and predict the future. Once the chicken died, its wishbone was preserved and stroked for luck. The furcula was believed to be key to the bird's powers. When the Romans conquered the Etruscans, they changed the rules. Allegedly, chickens weren't as plentiful in Roman times, so people had to split a wishbone in hopes of winning good luck. The tradition carried on for centuries in Europe and made its way to America, where turkeys became the bird of choice. You might think the game lost its magic over time, but I'd disagree. The oracular chickens were sacred to the Etruscans, and our turkeys are hallowed too. We make a yearly pilgrimage home just to enjoy an animal killed especially for the occasion. These birds are imbued with great power and meaning, so be careful. If you do a wishbone break this Thanksgiving, it's not just friendly competition. You're calling upon ancient magic, so I wish you the best of luck. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to this ParCast Thanksgiving special. For more stories like this, be sure to check out Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free, exclusively on Spotify. Oh, and listeners, this year, like every year, we're so very thankful for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Brendan Hawkins, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Armin Osman, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemec and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. Blackbeard, Charles Vane, and Bonnie. Who were they really? Real Pirates is a new Spotify original from Parcast. Join us starting November 15th as we bring the true story of pirates to life.